Welcome to Under Construction, a podcast developed and hosted by students at our Sinus College and College of PA. Today our topic will be on education and segregation. This is the fifth topic. And yeah. Um, yeah, this podcast can be found on Apple Music, Anchor, Spotify, and various other platforms. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at ConstructPod. Yeah. And our hashtag can be hashtag under construction if you'd like to follow us again because you just loved it so much. Yes, join into the conversation, guys. Um, I'm Deborah. I'm Rasan. And I'm Lava. Um, so let's just start off by saying where we're from. So I'm from New York City, Bronx, and like up to Manhattan. Um, I'm from Pottstown. Pretty small suburban area. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Um, and what was like the usual transportation method that we would take to go to school? So I know for me, I was always taking the train or the bus, so MTA and like on the rare occasion my dad would drive me, but even that was horrible because traffic is trash. So what about you guys? Um, <clears throat> I walk sometimes. Like, if I really wanted to. Um, or I'll take the bus. Or I'll just drive. Like, towards senior year. Um, I relied heavily, um, throughout all my education in New York on the yeah. MTA um, train system. I hated taking the bus. Cause the bus is so slow. Right? <laughs> hated taking the bus. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so, basically, today we're going to be talking about, like, education inequality and how that ties in with like the whole crisis that's going on with like the MTA and like police brutality so just as like a pointer a lot of the things that at least I'm gonna be reflecting on is from the page decolonizers place on Instagram so follow them if you want to tune in to like protest and that's where I mostly get my information from regarding like the MTA crisis so Yeah. Um, Rasan, what was um, your education like in Pakistan? Um, <clears throat> what do you mean, like the? So it's like the racial dynamics. Oh, okay. School. Like, was it white? Um, was it black? I would say it's predominantly white. Um, there were. I mean, but it was also kind of a good mix as well. So, like, I would say. 65% white, like, and then, like, the rest black. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you, when you go there, like, you mostly see white people, but, like, there were, like, those areas where you did feel, like, you know, a sense of belonging. Kind of like our sinus, like, it's the same thing. Um, so, yeah. What about, like, your um, teacher ratio, like, or their demographic? Oh, my gosh. I think all my teachers were white well actually we did so we um for black history month we actually like recorded um and we got like the majority of like black people together like we recorded um like what it's like being black in america and like challenges that we face yeah i actually have a video on my computer because we recorded it but actually we had um like black faculty there and um, it was only like three of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I want to say it was like five, but I know <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple like aren't there anymore. So that that shows a lot. I mean, yeah, it's, it's predominantly white. Like, there's like a ha- I only remember how many black professors, how many teachers. Were mostly um, like men or like women? It was a good mix of both. Like for my math and psychology and stuff, like it was, you know, white women or men. Um, I don't think I had. Like, I know some of the black professors were, like, I keep saying professors. Teachers were special ed or, um, no, it was mostly special ed. So, that, that says something. Yeah, it does. <clears throat> well, I feel like both of us are going to be kind of the same. But my school was mostly, like, black, Latino, um, like Hispanic, I don't think there were like any white people. Oh, I lied. So mostly there were there was like no white people except like when I got to like senior year, there was like one or two, and then like one transferred into my grade. But she was in like she grew up in like the community, so like I grew up in the Heights. So like her parents like owned the pizza shop down the street. So like she was white, but like she was like European, like she wasn't like American white. I forgot what country from Europe she was from, but everybody was basically like black and Spanish. And our teachers were like all black and like Spanish. There was this one white professor, teacher, that we had on like seventh grade, but she was so cool. Like I loved her so much. <laughs> like she was a bomb. And then as like we started getting into high school, I feel like that's when more a lot of people started like leaving the school. And then they started bringing in more like, white teachers. Like there was this white professor with dreads, and we was that was the tea that year. That was the tea, and yeah, it was just I felt like it was just getting more gentrified. Like the more I got into, like the population of the students weren't gentrifying, but like the teachers were, and I feel like that dynamic was kind of weird. But. My debate coach was white, but he was the bomb. Like, I love that man. Like, he was all for the students. Like, he knew, like that was one white teacher that we would just like sit there and just like talk shit about different people. Like, he'd be like, yeah, like they don't understand you guys. Like, he was a bomb. I love that man. But what about you, Rosalba? Um, my um, educational like setup in New York was a little bit like. Unique. I went to a charter school from middle school. Ooh, the charter. Um, There's like beef between like charter and public schools in New York, so. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was in a charter school since middle school, so since fifth grade till twelfth grade, which was senior year. Um, all the students from middle school till um, high school are black and Latino students. Um, they were like one percent Asians, and sometimes they will also leave. Sometimes they will transfer in and leave. Um, my teachers, on the other hand, were all white. Really? Which is like weird because you would think that if you're. Is because the charter schools that have more white people as like teachers? I mm. think so. Like charter schools. Like remember that when that whole like charter school thing came up? Yeah. Like I feel like they actually have like more white like professors than public schools. Maybe we'll look into that. But that's what I think. Yeah. Um. What was I saying? You said it was oh, that, the, that it like was weird. White teachers. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. All my teachers were white from like 
honestly, from fifth grade to twelfth grade. I have like about like five, six black teachers um in my high school. Compared to like the forty-three staff that we had, which is very little, and like three of them were working in like the main office, so they weren't like actual oh. teachers. They were just like, like staff administration, mm-hmm. right? And then like the other two were like actual teachers. That's crazy. Yeah. And then middle school, um, middle school, I had more diverse teachers, still predominantly white, but I don't know. It just spoke a lot, especially in the classroom dynamic and how the students were treated. I agree with that. Would you say you experienced like any? Sorry, cut you off. Would, no, would you say you experienced like any? Um, I mean, this is pretty obvious to me, but like any like racism. Or, like, like, did you yeah, see anything? Yeah, there was a lot of like favoritism, Oof. and that favoritism was also like associated more with like skin color. So like colorism came the into play. <laughs> came into play a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you find that the, these white teachers um, gave more attention and more effort in their time. Like the Latino students um, or the light skinned black students that wow. they deemed as smarter, mm-hmm. and they will always view the darker skinned students as deviants. Um, like me, for example, in middle school, like I was always in detention, and I swear to you, mm-hmm. I never did anything wrong. Like, I okay, was the, the quietest kid ever. <laughs> maybe not in the, maybe not in fifth grade, I was, yeah. a little, <laughs> I was a little bit much, but I swear, like, in seventh grade, eighth grade, whatever, like, I just kept to myself, mm-hmm. and I just I was always in detention, it just spoke a lot. And there was always a sense of like isolation in the classroom um, mm. from like the black students and <clears throat> the Latin students and how our white teachers would treat us. Yeah. And sometimes it's weird, but sometimes the black teachers would also show yeah. that same form of like favoritism or colorism or whatever you refer that to. Can poke and can poke. I can. Uh, I could definitely like agree to what Arago was saying because I lived in Pennsylvania from, I guess, when I was like toddlerish until I had to move to like second grade. So I started second grade in like New York and from like kindergarten to first grade, like I don't really have a lot of good memories of like being in school. Like I remember I was like the darkest per- like girl in my class and there was like no like actual like African American like girls in my class. And the only other, like, minority girl in my class was, like, Puerto Rican, but she was, like, white passing, like, Puerto Rican. And I remember I was always in the principal's office, like, Deborah couldn't do any, I literally, like, they called me a thief, they called me a thief one time. Like, it was just horrible. Like, I remember my first day at kindergarten, like, the teacher screamed at me because I called her teacher. And it was just, oh my God, I just think about that and I'd be like, and then later on, I found out that they like recommended my parents to like put me on ADHD pills. Oh, and that's a, that's a right. listen. And my dad's a teacher, and he went. He said that he went off because, like, I didn't go to preschool. Like, my dad taught me everything I knew before I got to like kindergarten, and he was like, just because all the like other students are like more like um, I don't know, they're more like reserved like. The, I guess the wider students were more like reserved or more like I don't I don't know what it was, but I was very like just how I am now like I'm loud like I always wanted I'm outspoken I always wanted to be like have friends like I was the biggest one in the class too like 
I was the tallest, like I was, I looked the oldest out of everyone. And like, they was like, yeah, I need to put her ADHD pills. And my dad was like, absolutely not. Like he went off. Like I remember I was always in the principal's office. And I, when I got to first grade, it wasn't like that. Like I really liked my teacher, but kindergarten, there wasn't a day that I wasn't in the principal's office. Like, ugh. But that's, listen, that's for another podcast. <laughs> Maybe you'll hear about that later. <laughs> also, like, in my high school and especially middle school, we had this program um, that the charter board um, instituted where it was, like, given um, students, like, additional help with, like, reading or writing or with math. So literally, like, whilst you're in class, another teacher will come and pull you out of class. So everybody will see you getting pulled out. Yes. And you get, like, additional help. And I promise you, I was always in those groups. Really? Which is surprising because, like, I am, not to toot my own horn, but, like, I am a pretty intelligent person. Like, I know how to read. I know how to write. Yeah. Like, I know how to do my math. Like, I didn't need all those mm-hmm. extra help. But I always, and it's funny because, like, the dynamic of the kids that were always, always pulled out were the darkest-skinned kids. Yeah. Which says a lot, too. So it's and like, you know, historically, we're viewing, not only are we viewing them as, like, deviants and, like, being disrespectful less intelligent. or whatever, but we're viewing them as being less intelligent than, like, the other dynamics in the classroom, yeah. which really says a lot. I definitely agree with that because I was in like one of those programs too in middle school. Really? And, mm-hmm. and like it took like so much. Like my mom like even tried to fight the school and say like, what's the point of like putting them in this? Because like especially being in the ratio like at a predominantly white school. Were there mostly <clears> like black kids in that program? Um no, it was like it was a good mix because I'm mean, but there there were like other black people in there, but considering like it's a predominantly white middle school. Um, I yeah. went to Springport, which is like ten minutes away from here. Oh, really? Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I definitely do agree that they do. I mean, there there are statistics that like they do like over, um, like put students like in that stuff. But um, there's to even go like back research to, like, that says like black male students are like more likely to be prescribed ADHD pills when they're like younger. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Sad. And just the effect on like when we're growing up, like ADHD, yeah. like is a real drug. Like, <laughs> oh my god. And it affects you in so many. Like, there's so many side effects of right. that drug. So if you don't really have it and you're just, you know, being a kid, like, you know, we're always considered to be like, they always view us as more grown. Like, there's like countless like research of like black students are seen as like. I don't know if it's like more, I don't know if it's more mature or like they seem like teacher view them as more like older than the rest of the the kids so like they're always getting in trouble like they held yeah they held them to different standards as other kids but like yeah I think that like if my school or even like your school if, if it was like more integrated with white students I feel like these issues would be much worse because mm-hmm. imagine my dynamic being just black and Latino kids which are still low income students mm-hmm. but imagine like mm-hmm. white rich students being mixed in that dynamic yeah. I mean I'm not saying that like our school well my school being like um desegregated I guess as it was I'm not saying that it was a good thing but I think that I mean, of course, it still left some damages. But I feel like I'll be, I would have been left worse off if it was more integrated yeah. with other white students. I mean, but 
otherwise student like even in how we view like our schools like it's still like segregated like just because mm-hmm. it's like it diverse doesn't mean only like black and latino yeah. like diverse means that there has to be like all the races there together and all the races i had never seen a white person in my school like or even near my school like they were all at this like really rich private school like yeah. down like in the hills that like, cost like six or seven thousand dollars a year oh, to go there Jeez. like which put like charter schools in like a like a yeah. unique like situation or position because like you have like the public schools which is like publicly funded by the government then you have the private schools which is like privately funded by like rich parents and like whatever and then you have the charter school so charter schools like fell in the middle between right we're in the middle between private and public because the thing about charter schools is that we get out it's a non-profit so like we do get like private donations from like rich people and like whatnot but um i remember it was like around like 2016 or something it was like my sophomore year of high school that became this big issue of like charter schools wanting to be seen as public yeah. to get more public aid from the government um they was not having it <laughs> the government was not having it but um at the end of the day um now charter schools are starting to be seen as public um as mm-hmm. well. i don't yeah. know if it's a good idea but but i have a question <laughs> so how did you see like i don't know like when we read about story like their segregation like when predominantly like well it was only like black schools like they didn't have like the same materials Mm -hmm. like did you still see that and like your schools today like i don't know like i i'll tell you this quick story like coming to our assignments which is a pwi coming here it really showed me how underprepared i was for college compared to like my white counterparts like they will always talk about like the bio classes they took and like the anatomy classes and, and the AP classes. I was like AP opportunities too, and I'm like, well, in my high school, like we just had like bio 100. That was it. Like we had like two APs and they were for like math and that was it. And even that was even like highly like uh, selective. Yeah. So not everybody could take to, could have like that opportunity to take those APs. So definitely comes to college ish and like being amongst like my white counterparts showed me how like the differences and like how what the lack of resources that low income schools have. Right. Yeah. What about you, Rasan? Um, since you came from a predominantly white. I mean, I right. I came from a predominantly <laughs> white school. Um, I actually have a lot of people from my high school that go here, um, but I feel like my school did prepare me because I did have AP classes and like I was stressed out all the time during high school. So um, I feel like it's it's prepared me and like handling stress and stuff. But still, it's. It was a difference because, like, having those AP classes, like, I feel like it isolated me from, like, other people because, like, in those AP classes, there were only, like, one to two minorities. Like, I took AP Oh, physics. like, it isolated you from, like, the other, yeah. like, black people. Yep. So, like, there was, like, one Latino kid in my AP physics and, like, two other black people. And, like, the class was, like, full of 14. So... Um, I feel like I kind of experienced, well, I did experience racism in that way because, like, there was this one um, white kid who's, like, his mom was a physics major, and, like, all of us are kind of struggling, but, like, he would help, like, the other white kids, and, like, you know, we would never get the kind of help. So, 
um, it was always like a an interesting dynamic in school, and I feel like even with my professors, like um, I experienced racism from that because I didn't stand for the flag. Um, oh my gosh, when was this? This is like I think this was junior year, and um, like I didn't say anything. I just sat down because we had to stand for the flag every day. Put our hands over our heart and sing those. In high school? <laughs> yes. We, some high school did that. We stopped. I don't remember. Like, I stopped doing that in fifth grade. Really? Like, like I serious? remember getting to middle school and being like, so we're not going we to go through the pledge of allegiance? <laughs> like, what's going on? No, we had. All right, so, like, <laughs> they just renovated the school. So, it was literally, like, our sign. It's, like, it literally looked just like this. They would put a screen down. They would have the flag. Then there will be the morning announcements. Yeah, so like doing that every single day, I was like, no, and like justice for all. Like, I don't even gotta. That's a. <laughs> anyway, I didn't stand for the flag, and my teacher got like so heated. Like he was like, like he like interrogated me after class. He was like, um, can I talk to you? Like, is there a reason like why you're not standing for the flag? And I just I didn't tell him like specifically why. I was just like I, there's no reason for me to stand. And he was like, okay, well. Um, just letting you know, I'm gonna take this to administration what? because you have to. Yeah, like he was so like show Trump supporter. Show, show me the guidelines. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> show me the handbook. I was like, okay, like my mom knew I wasn't like he emailed my mom. No. Like she already knew. So I mean, she was on my side anyway. Like you know, so it was no big deal. But um, he took it to administration, and they ended up like being on my side. And he just felt so salty because like, like they sent him something that said like if it goes against your religion. Or, like, you just don't feel comfortable doing it. Like, you don't have to. But, like, he was Adam. Like, he tried to, like, force me to stand. And um, that was just some other How did you, other like, stuff. what about, like, I don't know. Like, in your classes, did you see that there was, like, a lot of, like, resources and, like, opportunities for, like, the students to, like, learn different topics? Or, like, I don't know, like, even, like, textbook-wise or, like, material-wise? Did you ever see, like, I don't know. Um, yeah, they did give, like, support for, like, SAT prep and, like, all the other stuff. But you had to pay for it. Yeah. Um. Mm. I don't know. Because my school, I feel like... It, like, falls in between, like, everything. Because I remember there was times in my school, like, we didn't have paper. Like, we literally had to, like, write. Like, see the handouts that they were, like, we had to write on the back of them. Like, they would send the kids, it would be like, oh, Deborah, can you go to the main office and save this paper? And you go to the main office and they'd be like, no, there's no paper. Oh, like, wow. we didn't have bleachers in my school. Really? No, like, the bleachers, like, my friend got hurt on the bleachers because they were so messed up. So they had to take them all out. We didn't wow. have bleachers for the longest. Like, but my school had like. I'll leave it at you, but y'all can stay here. Y'all can just turn the lights off. Okay. Like, All right. Um, but yeah, like we didn't have bleachers, and but my school had like college classes. Like we could take classes like at City College, mm-hmm. but even then, like that was like an opportunity that not a lot of people get. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the STEM and like sciences and math, they were never like emphasized for like our school like it was literally only like reading and writing like Mm -hmm. ELA ELA heavy but it was like you know like in this society you need like STEM like everything is leaning towards STEM Mm -hmm. so it's like it was like just this unequal balance and then when I came here like I I knew that I was not prepared in Mm -hmm. math but I came here and I was like 
you really not prepared in math. <laughs> and like, I see all my, like, my white classmates, like, yeah, I took like AP Calc. Like, I'm like, we didn't even have Calc at my school. Like, it was just pre-Calc. And if you got to, if you, if you got to go to the college, then you were able to take like Calc 1 or something like that. And even like going to the college was like pretty selective. Yeah. Because they didn't want like just anybody like going and like mm-hmm. getting like a bad grade because I'm this is a your transcript. Yeah. But listen, like they, we didn't have enough textbooks for everybody. Like I remember we used to have to like share the regions prep books. Mm-hmm. Like we would have to share that, and it was like I remember they would bring out the boxes, and it would be like, let's see who gets one and let's see who don't. Like it was just, it was just so bad. So, and then I I learned that there's like this private like high school like it's not they like it's in the hood like it's not even like this nice like white neighborhood um, and they have like tvs like macbooks yeah. like oh like it was just crazy like i went there and i was like like you had this but we didn't have that like that's crazy mm-hmm. so and that's kind of interesting too because that's what my school did we all got macbooks um yeah we had to turn it in like once we graduated but I think we all got like our own MacBooks to have like starting ninth grade. Yeah. Um, and it was nice at first, like we were able to like you know FaceTime, like you know play some games on it. Like I mean, it, it was meant to be educational, but they um like after we had it after a while, like they ended up like blocking a lot of stuff. So it was actually kind of hard for us to. Um, like do our work sometimes because we couldn't access the sites um so it was at first it was helpful because like you know we could do what we wanted but like afterwards like it ended up messing up our education um but also the same thing about that is like Pottstown is like it was the same way like it's it has its hood parts and it's just crazy because like there's so many potholes like um <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, right. There's so many potholes. Um, you know, it's a, it's a low-income <laughs> area. Yeah, but so eating his food right now. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, eating um, Caesar salad. No, it's a kale salad. Oh. It's a kale apple salad. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's there's this place called The Hill School. And, like, literally the Donald white, Trump's Why the white kids rich kids always there. on the hill? That's why, is, why are they always on the hill? Can we talk about that? But like they have like their own like apartments. Donald Trump's kids went there. Yeah, in Boston. Um, and it's like it's gated. Like they're in their own area. Like I've had people like from my high school like go there, and then like once they go there, like they don't talk to you. Like they're just like above you. <laughs> like um, it's just crazy because like how how can you have like. A low income area, and then just put like this rich school, which is like eighty thousand a year, yeah. and just like have a gated community, and like everybody thinks like exactly. So it's interesting, like seeing that pattern, like having like these rich, um, like private schools and like low income areas. Yeah, I don't think, like my high school too, like we like the whole laptop and resource stuff. Like we did um, have laptop, but it wasn't like individual stuff. We had like our own codes and stuff. Like, a lot of things were blocked, which made it difficult for like my in my AP seminar class and mm-hmm. stuff when we needed to like go outside and like do our own research. Like it was difficult, right. um, and it like limited us to like a lot of things. But yeah, I just find that there's like always a lot of limitation when mm-hmm. it comes to like like students of color and like their education. 
like, oh my god, the tea. But let's get into this. I know we have about three minutes left. So, what we'd like to. We could, we, have, we, could keep, we could keep talking and just cut the rest, you know um, what I mean? Let's see, so we're talking about transportation stuff. Okay, so when it comes to like transportation and like getting to school and stuff, many of like inner city, low income students rely heavily on like their public transportation. So like the recent in New York with like the recent like fair hikes since like 2013, 2015, and now we're seeing like mass, um, incarceration and violation of like students from low income neighborhoods mm-hmm. and poor people and like other vagrants um evading their fares and and over policing and being over policed by the NYPD um how do you feel about this? Um yeah. well the neighborhood my school was in was heavily like heavily policed. Mm-hmm. Like they were always at the um <clears throat> like bus stops mm-hmm. just waiting for people not to have their ticket right. and that specific bus stop was like every school in the area like had to go to that bus stop mm-hmm. like there was just so like there was just so many schools in the area and to get home everybody had to like use that stop and on certain occasions the police would just be there just waiting for who doesn't have the ticket to like give them a fine right and it's like Literally, most of the people that are coming on this bus or on this train are like students, like right, and they they can't even afford that fine. And what like, I think is just is really they, stupid. Oh my god! Is that the the ticket is only like what like two dollars and fifty cents, and the fine is like two hundred. Exactly. Like they used to get, they give us like free um free metro cards, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work on the weekends, and it only works after a certain hour like it stops working after a certain hour oh so they get students yeah like you get free like metro cards but it doesn't work out wow like i think it's after 8 30 p.m it stops working and then it only gives you like two i think it's two two swipes two or three rides and then on the weekends it doesn't work so if you have like um schools on the weekend or like detention that you have to make up something on the weekend you have to pay out of pocket and then even, like, I remember this one time, I I would always get my, like, ticket, and this one time, the police was there, and I could not find my ticket at all. And I remember I started crying, because he took me off the bus. That's scary. And I was like, I swear, like, I always have my ticket, like, I got it. And he didn't believe that I was a student. Like, I was like, I'm a student. Like, our school didn't have an ID, first of all. Like, every other high school had ID, but we couldn't afford to get ID, so we literally really? had, like, they gave us a piece of paper, and they laminated it, <laughs> and that was our ID. But I lost that because I never thought we needed an ID. Like we didn't need IDs to get in, so we're just like, we don't need this piece of paper. And then when he stopped me, like he was just like, I don't believe you're a student. And I was just like, I showed him my metro card, and I was like, I'm like, I'm a student. Like I just didn't get it. Like either way, it was gonna be paid for. And he like left me off with a warning. And I remember I was traumatized. Like I was like, everybody was just looking at me when I got off the bus, and it was just. Oof, I just don't like it at all. I, I just don't see why they target... I mean, I, I see why they target people, but why would you target people who are just trying to, like... Over, like, a ticket, which is, like, less than $5. Like, if I didn't have money to pay for 275 I'm not going to have money to pay 200 Right, what makes you think that these people have more money to pay a larger fine? Like, you're and then, like, on here for a reason. The crazy thing, like, about this whole, like, MTA thing is that... 
well, conspiracy theory or whatever. But they're trying to like get rid of Rikers Island, supposedly in New York, which is one of like the worst jails like in the country. But they're trying to open like four new jails in every like borough. And to help the problem. Like to help the problem, and then they just start over policing. Mm-hmm. But it's literally to just they fill, the, fill jails. the jails. Yep. Yeah. And right now, like, it's just crazy because all of this stuff is like coming out. And an article came out last week. I think it was like on CNN. But the mayor or, or governor, Governor Cuomo, or mayor, is it governor? It's Mayor De Blasio. Or the Blas, yeah. So Mayor De Blasio. He said that by doing fare evasion, we saved like 230 million. But then it cost 200, like it cost 200 million to deploy all the police officers. So how are you, like, how does that make sense? Yeah, another thing we're talking about is, um, so basically, they, um, so de Blasio and Cuomo have came up with this idea of like increasing police um, presence in these stations. And basically, the by um, by increasing the police, it cost them an additional like two hundred million. Right, or two. It was like two hundred forty-six. Um, yeah. Two hundred forty-six million to increase the police presence to make up for a loss of two hundred million. So it's kind of like, well, the problem that um, the problem that what you call it. The problem that the fair evaders or low-income students um, and vagrants provide, the free rider issue they provide doesn't um, outweigh the fixed cost of running the transportation um, service. Because either way, you're still gonna make, you're still paying that fixed cost to, yep. to like to run it, to, to like run just the maintenance. Whole so, the, so the fact that um, you have a couple free riders or poor people evading their fares doesn't mean that like you're losing money because you're already paying the cost. So whether or not there are free riders or not, it doesn't matter. So to increase, to, to invest more money in police and to increase their presence or whatever doesn't solve the situation. And what even solves then, the situation is lowering the cost yep. of the fares, decreasing the presence of police. Because oh, they, 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 they increase the fare all the time. And increase, and increase. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, bro. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and increase the presence of MTA workers at every station so okay. that when people don't have the money to pay or don't when the machines aren't working people have the boost to go to because most of the times like people are paid because there aren't working machines yeah so instead of increasing the presence of police officers why not increase the presence of the mta employees and just lower the cost and literally right. the thing that like grinds my gears is that they could spend 200 million on cops, but they can't invest that two hundred million and like after school pro- and fixing the train because right. if we you fix the train, the train then maybe we can pay to seventy five. But why would we pay to seventy five dollars when the trains are never working? They're always dirty. Like how how does that work? And and when they are um when they are there's no air conditioning. Like how am I gonna be in a train with no air conditioning in the summer under a tunnel? And and adding more police just shows like what they think the problem is like it, right. it's, and where they're like people are just really at. like yeah, they're exactly. not adding it downtown like yeah. you go downtown you can literally see like the Nobody's segregation literally just mm-hmm. by actually taking the going, train as you keep going from like east new york to manhattan you see how you start to see like the segregated lines it becomes clear like trust like me. from where i live i'm like my bus stop is a train number four like fordham road and if you take that train all the way down like where i used to work at like bellevue hospital 
the train stop will have like working um like when does a train come i don't know what that's called like working clocks like you could pay with a credit card like that's my art phone like you could pay, you can pay with like your apple pay like there's all these Dang. methods of even trying to pay like sometimes people don't have cash to pay their thing like they all have credit cards and sometimes that doesn't even work and it's like clean like they have air conditioning but then we go to like the lower parts of like the city or the boroughs you see like the train systems are not kept up they're not renovated they're always broken there's always something going on with them and fewer presents but more nypd presents so me somebody coming from the bronx i wouldn't want to pay 275 to take the train that's hot that stinks that doesn't work but clearly somebody that lives in lower manhattan wants to pay 275 because they see all this like luxury that they have but they're the only people getting the luxury so i don't know ma'am something gotta be done oh my god Our final takeaway will be regarding poverty. Pobreza. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, it has become clear more than ever that the narrative and discourse of um, America and the government officials um, used to degrade criminal, to degrade and criminalize poorness needs to change. Um, instead of us mocking the poor and emphasizing financial literacy and investment as a way out of poverty. Which it is not. <laughs> People need to begin to empower the poor and give them more economic opportunities, such as paying the poor more money to have adequate life. Also not shaming them for wanting a job just for the money. Right. Like that's that's why you right. get a job. Providing assistance for things such as train fares, Instead yes. of cracking down on quality energy. food, mm-hmm. quality food and options. Right. Um, so, hold on. Yeah, as Americans, um, people need to remove the stigmas and the rhetoric around poverty and begin to empower and advocate for the poor and provide more economic opportunities, like I said, to those who have been historically discriminated against from social economic development. Yup. Ta-da. They need to take away all those redlining practices. Mm -hmm. They need to find a way to give us more educational equality and equity. Less NYPD surveillance. Equity over equality, okay? Period. Because... This ain't doing it, Chief. You know, follow my Instagram, honeybun.de, if you want to see see more about um, diversity and police brutality. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And this concludes our discussion. Bye.